My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. I'm here today, ladies and gentlemen, to rail against the corruption of honest farming practice. No, I speak not of how a fellow farms. Go on and use those organic pesticides. It'll make you real popular with the thrips and cabbage loopers. And if you want to pursue a no-till strategy, feel free to toss away your plow. As for me, I'd sooner give up my bolt-action Mossberg Patriot, and nobody's taking that from me. No, what I'm talking about isn't how a man farms, but what he farms, i.e. the displanting of sorghum and sweet potatoes for that, well, that scourge of youth. I refer, of course, to marijuana, the legalization of said plant, one cannabis sativa for recreational use in 11 states, I say 11 states of the Union, is a sad commentary on American lucidity. I mean, folks... You want recreation? Try football, fishing, or a dip in the old swimming hole. Not the reefer, no sir. Not the reefer, because there are those who can. Of course, there are those who contend it to be a benign weed, but this be false. This asseveration. Just ask the last beatnik who showed up in our fair village with so-called wacky tobacco. See if he considered it benign once the folks around here were through with him. Of course, we're talking decades ago, the day that lanky gent with long, unwashed hair drove into town, had Massachusetts license plates on his VW microbus, the words Galactic Toboggan painted in fat, multicolored letters across the side of this foreign-made vehicle. Stopped on Main Street, just opposite the stately oak so celebrated in Truvo's history. Then he had the temerity to lean against said tree, remove a plastic bag from what looked to be a khaki green fishing vest, and roll the contents of that bag in a cigarette wrapper. Then, with a spark of his lighter, he began to inhale what was definitely not Nicotiana tobacco. No, indeed. Well... First to recognize the characteristic odor was Ethan Clemmer Sr., then proprietor of Clemmer's Value Food. Seems in days past, prior to becoming town grocer, Ethan had made his living delivering beer and barbecue to the barrel houses that once dotted the dirt roads of Mississippi and Tennessee. It was in such places that he learned the smell of these felonious smokes, though he swore he never partook. Anyway... Ethan passed the word on to Ephraim Price, proprietor of what's now his son Zeb's barber shop. Then Ephraim, he told Morris Newbody over at the hardware store, who got hold of Red Beezer, president of the Improved Order of Heptosophs, Lodge 23. Finally, they all stormed en masse into the print shop, owned by first selectman Keeley Wise. The same print shop, incidentally, that produced fine big posters saying vote for Keeley when he was running for office, but somehow lost the plates when it came time to make up posters for his opponent, Joe Topper. But that's apropos of nothing. Anyway, they stormed in, demanding something be done about this long-haired miscreant. You mean this dope fiend is inhaling loco weed right there on Main Street, spluttered Keeley? We're young'uns and mamas. My mama could see him right out in the open. Precisely, says Red. So what you gonna do about it, Mr. First Selectman? Sounds like a job for the county sheriff, replies Keeley. But the complainants, they wanted no such involvement. If word, get out, if word gets out, we're a hot spot for reefer addicts, says Ethan Sr. Our sterling reputation is flushed straight down the commode. 
We want this done on the QT, says Morris. Yet, says Keeley, we cannot allow this violation to go unpunished. So they trekked over to the oak tree to confront this scofflaw, who observed the oncoming assemblage through bloodshot eyes. Howdy-do, mister, says Keeley. Just arrived in town? About an hour ago, says the fellow, resplendent in that fishing vest, a red-flowered shirt and bell-bottom trousers, purple velvet, if you please. Visiting somebody, asked the first selectman. Kin or a friend or anybody? No, says the stranger. Just come a long way in the van and decided to stop a bit. Take my ease, you know what I'm saying? Sure, says Keeley. This is just the place to take your ease, because we're an easy town. Ain't we easy, Red? Oh, yeah, says Red. Real easy. That's right, says Keeley. Real easy, Mr. Uh, you know, I don't think I caught your name. Name's Murgatroyd, came the reply. Professor Murgatroyd St. Sunshine, Ph.D. Well, what do you know, says Red. You hear that, Ethan? We got us a professor. A true man of letters, replies Ethan. Don't often see that in these parts. Sure don't, says Morris. Just what are you a professor of, Mr. Sunshine? I think that's Dr. Sunshine, says Keeley. Oh, yeah, says Morris. Dr. Sunshine. What's your field of academe, Dr. Sunshine? Oh, I guess you could say I'm a professor of life, replies the beatnik. Life, says Ephraim. That's right, replies Murgatroyd St. Sunshine. Well, that's a pretty big subject, observes Ephraim. Lucky... Lucky for me, replies the stranger, I've got a pretty big classroom. And where's that, asks Red. Right here, says Dr. Sunshine, right under your feet. It's the whole wide world, man, the whole wide world. How do you like that, says Red. We've been in school and didn't even know it. Brought no apple for teacher, neither, says Morris. The stranger blew a puff of smoke from his unlawful cigarette, then drew his lips into a languid smile. Not necessary, says he. I got all I need right here. Right, says Keeley. Well, about that. Yeah, repeats Ephraim, about that. This is a nice little town, says Keeley. Not some big metropolis like, say, Jackson or Tupelo. So we tend to notice when someone does something a little out of the ordinary. Stuff like littering or unlicensed fishing or, you know, committing a heinous drug felony. Things like that. Oh, says the professor, before taking a long drag on his rolled-up contraband and holding the smoke in his lungs. When he had at last exhaled, he acknowledged that twixt his fingers. You mean the joint? The what, says Keeley? It's drug lingo, whispers Ethan Ethan Sr., recalling his juke joint days, in reference to his paper-wrapped crime. Then yes, Dr. Sunshine, says Keeley, I do mean that what you call joint. "'Cause to further use the vernacular,' chimes in Ethan, "'we don't cotton to no devil's lettuce and trouveau.' "'Now, gentlemen,' says the professor, "'it's no crime to smoke a little grass, is it?' "'Uh, yeah, it's a federal crime,' says Keeley. "'And since you're fuzzy on the subject, "'robbery, murder, exceeding the posted speed limit, "'you're not supposed to do those things either. "'The list goes on and on.' Oh, man, says Dr. Sunshine, you're going to throw me in some backwater jail for smoking this little thing? Now, Professor, says Keeley, we don't intend to involve the authorities. No need, says Red, not when we got our own ways of handling out-of-town lawbreakers. Hey, man, says the beatnik, the Constitution of the United States entitles me to free to do process. Oh, don't worry, says Red, 
We're going to process you real good. And with that, the four men pinned Dr. Sunshine against the storied oak tree and searched his pockets. Hey, Professor, says Ephraim, having pulled out the gent's wallet. The name on this license here is Alan P. Kaufman. Is that your name, Alan P. Kaufman? Well, that's just dastardly, says Red, passing yourself off as Murgatroyd St. Sunshine, Ph.D., Meanwhile, the real Murgatroyd St. Sunshine, Ph.D., is no doubt off somewhere living a quiet, law-abiding life while you besmirch his name with your criminal acts. And look at this, says Ethan Sr., withdrawing that plastic bag of dried leaves, the illicit product itself. Now, Professor, says Keeley, this brings to mind an incident from my childhood, the day my daddy caught me smoking one of his luckies. A day when, without a thought for the Constitution, but plenty for my own welfare, he did something that taught me a fine lesson. Do you know what that was, Professor? Administer a beating, no doubt, says Dr. Sunshine, like any self-respecting inbred backwoods pater. No, says Keeley, no whooping was administered. He devised a much more effective strategy. What Daddy did was he made me eat the whole pack of cigarettes. Chew them like candy and swallow them down without a drop of water to lubricate their esophageal journey. I thought it cruel at the time, but you know what, fella? I've never touched the demon tobacco since. With that, Keeley turned to Ethan. Mr. Clemmer, says he, will you do the honors? I.e., will you feed this man from that plastic pouch as you feed the good people of Trouveau from your grocery store? I shall, replied Ethan Sr., and as Red Force Dr. Sunshine, nay Alan P. Kaufman's mouth open, he poured the bag's contents twixt the fella's lips. Chew that up real good, says Red, opening and closing the man's jaws in a grinding fashion. Real good now. But Red soon found that the stranger was chewing on his own, no impulsion required. And when Keeley said, swallow, Professor, who's it? He did so, and right quick, too. All right, then, says Keeley, as the others loosed their hold on the man. You think, Professor, you ever want to partake of that illegal plant again? Uh, says the fella, his pupils having mysteriously grown as big as pie plates. I think I want... Then his voice trailed off, a smile crossed his lips, and he, believe it or not, hugged Ethan Sr. and gave Red a kiss, a kiss right on the mouth. The group could only surmise that this was his way of expressing appreciation that they had freed him of his marijuana addiction. The skinny gent apparently found his appetite again, too, now that he had eschewed controlled substances, because he bought up 11 candy bars, 9 sticks of jerky, and 4 bags of potato chips from Ethan's store. I mean the big bags, like you'd serve at a party. Then off he drove. Though it was later learned he was picked up by troopers on Interstate 55, so giddy was he about his newfound sobriety that the galactic toboggan was reportedly swerving back and forth all over the place. Can't say what they charged him with. Driving while grateful? I don't know. But my point is, we have very definite ideas here in Trouveau about forays into reefer madness, and I'll be doggone if I'll ever taint my good, rich Mississippi soil with a cannabis crop. It's bad morality, and gosh darn it, it's bad business. And furthermore, what? What's that, Zeke? Oh, you've got your little cellular telephone out, have you? Why's that? You got some little factoid to back up yours truly? No? Then what? Marijuana is selling for what? How much? $900 a pound? You're talking about the dried leaf? 
Holy cow, sorghum's only $3.25 a bushel. Gee, a fella could... No. No, it doesn't matter. There's a principle that must be upheld. I don't care if this so-called legal version of Marigahoochee weed is... Did you say $10 billion? Is that worldwide, or it's just the United States? Gee whiz. Well, I do have one or two acres free, and I could maybe cut 10 acres off the wheat crop and use the soil. No, no. It's not right, I guess. I, I don't know. Put that stupid telephone away. I'm getting a headache. Really, now. You will recall that I was duped by old Cecil Calloway into adopting his churlish cat Stalin before Cecil began his final sojourn at the assisted living facility in Zare County. Well, folks, I finally got to see what this languorous feline is good for, and he is, to put it succinctly, good for nothing. We had a visitor last night, see, and not a welcome one. "'Twas late, and old Farmer Gray lay abed "'after a hard day at the plow, "'drifting into a well-earned slumber. "'Suddenly I heard a kind of flickering sound, "'soft but persistent, "'and upon raising my lids, "'what did I espy but a small black shape "'coursing through the air, "'its leathery wings and furry back "'brushing against the walls and ceiling. "'It was, of course, "'that scourge of the family insecta, "'the brown bat,' who had somehow invaded my domicile in the mistaken belief that I was harboring enough insects to make up half its body weight per day. Said bat, order Chiroptera, was of course mistaken, for I am fastidiously clean and do not countenance in-house arthropoda. Switching on the bedside lamp, the better to view my uninvited ephemera, I witnessed Stalin, curled up on the absent Elspeth's side of the bed, spring into action, as only a proud sympathetic descendant can, i.e., he sat up, stared skyward, and passively observed the winged creature, turning his head back and forth, back and forth, as if regarding some airborne tennis match. By the time I returned with a towel, with which I intended to entrap the flying mammal, faithful Stalin had tired of the game and was once again curled up asleep, this time, for some reason, on my side of the bed. Oh, now just a moment. Now I recall why. Because the bat was now curled up where the cat had been sleeping. Very accommodating is Stalin to the vermin who invade my bedroom. Wouldn't wish to discommode any wild creatures of fifth his size who happen upon our comerancy. Anyway, I threw the towel over the bat, at which time Stalin awakened and glared indignantly at being roused from slumber. Meantime, as the bat chirped and buzzed, I carried it to the front door, releasing it into the night, with no gratitude attendant upon my setting it free, rather than bashing it with a stick or visiting some other mortiferous action upon it. On re-entering the bedroom, I found Stalin in deep repose, still in my spot. Weary of contest with the animal kingdom, I lay down on the side of the bed that once Elspeth, and more recently the bat, had occupied, and confident that I was in possession of the laziest, most useless creature in existence, fell back to sleep. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. (laughs) 